Hallelujah. 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 If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 12. Exodus the 12th chapter. I will read verses 1 and 2. you don't have a Bible with you, look up. It will be on the screen. The word of the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. And it shall be the first month of the year to you. Everybody say this month. This month. Not next week, not next year, not February, not March, not April, not May, not June, not July, but this month. Say it again. This month shall be the beginning. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Clap your hands and praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. For just a few moments, for lack of a better title, I want to talk to you about beginning here. Say it with me, beginning here. For a few moments, I would like for you to shut out all of the conflicting and clamoring voices that are in your life and maybe in your mind and in your spirit. And let's see if we cannot get in touch and in tune with what God would want to say today. I come into this service today not fully knowing all that God wants to say and do, but I fully know that God wants to do something. Amen. And I believe that when we know that God wants to do something, it is important that we know what to do to allow Him to do that. You know, everything in life needs an opportunity to reset. Every instrument that has ever been developed has to have a way of being recalibrated because it is a problem of life that things get out of balance and things happen. Most of you drove an automobile. I didn't see any wagons outside today, so I think most of us took modern conveyances, and I doubt if anybody really walked to church. You may have walked from the parking lot to the church, but you didn't walk to the church. You rode in a vehicle that has four tires and they are balanced, hopefully. If they are not, they will let you know it very quickly. But even the most well-ordered automobile, the most well-balanced wheel can at times get out of balance. And sometimes it's from that unexpected pothole that you hid in life or maybe you made a 
turn too sharp and you hit a curb, but whatever it is that happens, those things happen to all of us. I don't, anybody here that's not ever run over a curb in your life? Our young people ought to take courage today then. Amen. Amen. It's not so bad after all. But things happen. And when they happen, the jolt causes that piece of equipment to get out of its order and it has to be uh, recalibrated. I mentioned this the very first Sunday. Sometimes the heart can get out of rhythm. It can get out uh, of beat. And so they have to take you in and lay you on a an operating table and put electrodes to you and shock your heart to get it back into its proper rhythm because a heart that is out of rhythm can be very dangerous to your health. And there is nothing in life, I don't know of any instruments that do not require, if not daily, at least at some point along the way, an opportunity to stop and recalibrate to make sure that it's centered or that it is balanced or that everything in it is working properly. You all, most of you probably have a computer of some kind. Some of you have it in your uh, hand by way of a phone or you've got it by way of an iPad. But even those devices have ways of picking up viruses and all kinds of malware and issues that will cause the operation of it to not be quite like it should be. It looks like it's operating okay until you really need to do something critical and then you have problems or it crashes and you've got to start over because you lose everything you've been working on. And so ever so often your computer has to even clean itself. It's got to organize the files. You've got to defrag. You've got to make sure that we're not putting A where Q belongs and Q where A is. There's got to be some kind of order. And, and, And we have learned this in life that everything needs a point of reference. Everything needs a place of recalibrating and it needs a place of balancing and bringing things back into proper order. And I believe that God has made sure that we have a place like that. And it's called the altar. Amen. Amen. I said it's called the altar. And I want to tell some of you right now, you're trying to make that pew your altar, but that that's just a substitute. I'm going to say it again because I get to say it. We have made the pew a substitute for really going to the altar. Now, I know that you can go to the altar at your pew. Amen, that's right. 
I know that that can happen, but I also know that we can convince ourselves that we're at the altar, but we're really not. We're just at a comfortable place where we don't get pushed too far and we don't get, we, we don't get somebody laying a hand on our head or whatever else we might be afraid of and we don't allow God to really bring us to that place. We're almost there. But we're not quite there because it's that altar. And if you don't believe that, just go read the life of Abraham and see what happened in Abraham's life. He comes out of Ur of the Chaldees and he builds an altar. It becomes a centering point in his life. It becomes a point of reference. It becomes a vital aspect of his relationship with God. But then something happened. Life happens. Egypt uh, came into the picture because of famine where he was at. And so it's amazing to me that a man of such faith as Abraham that could travel 800, 900 miles from his homeland to a place God was going to give him and God led him there could get there and then panic over something that happens when he gets there. I'm just telling you that if God took you on an 800 mile odyssey to get here, God knows how to get you through whatever you're going to face when you get to that place in your life. But he, he built an altar and so it became a very important connection in his life. And Abraham is known as the man who built many altars. But it was one altar in particular that he come back to often. And that was the altar at Bethel. Because it was there at Bethel that he had built that first altar. And there's nothing like the first altar that you build in your life. Anybody remember that altar? That first altar that you built in your life. When you, when God did something and, and, and God proved himself to you and you built a memorial, you built an altar in your life. There is nothing that can replace the first altar in your life. There is a place of beginning. There is a point of reference that God gives to you and I. And that is the altar. And so he goes into Egypt and he, he doesn't act like a man of faith. He lies, tries to get his wife to lie, cover up for his own lies. And finally the truth comes out and God spared him. And Abraham, the Bible said, and he returned to Bethel. And he went to that altar. Why? Because he needed to go back to that place where he could become centered. He could get his bearings. He needed that recalibration of his life. I don't know much about the instruments that they use at hospitals, but I do know this, that somebody has to come in every once in a while and and recalibrate all of that machinery to make sure that when you come in for your test or you come in for your x-ray, that it literally is working properly that it shows a true reflection of what your body looks like rather than some skewed idea some vague phantom thought well maybe 
That might be what it looks like. It needs that centering point. It needs that place of reference. All of us need it. The calibrating, that bringing back into order all of our lives. I, I, one of the first building mistakes that I made when I got into building and I didn't get into it necessarily because I wanted to. I got into it because I had to survive. And so, you, you know, it makes a big difference when you get into something because you want to or you get into it because you're, you're, you're trying to survive. You're just trying to make a living. And I got into it because I was trying to survive. We were trying to build a church and wasn't enough income coming in to pay the note, much less pay me. And so I had to learn. And I, one of the first lessons that I learned is that any old board won't work when you're trying to use a point of reference. I cut a board and then I cut another one off of that board. You know, that was a lazy way to do it, but I didn't want to get my tape measure back out. So I laid the one I had cut. I had measured it right. So I laid it down and I marked it and I cut it and I got busy and I lost track of that original And you know what? You look around, hey, that, this looks like it'll work. And so I pick it up and I measure off of it. And then a little while later, I measure off of another one. And then I, and, and then I start trying to put it together. All you builders are shaking your head. Some of you've done what I've done then. And one of the first things that my brother had to teach me is you can never throw away the pattern. Because that pattern is your point of reference. That's how you know that those are always going to be cut or they're always going to measure the same measurement. And I've learned in life that you can never get away from those first things that God does in your life. When you come to God, those are critical, pivotal moments in your life that you can never discard and say, I've outgrown that. I don't need that anymore. That's too old-fashioned. That's too old-school. I'm here to preach old-school today. You're going to need a point of reference in your life. And you better make sure that you keep the right thing for that reference. Say it begins here. It begins here. God was about to do a marvelous work in a group of people's lives that had been in bondage for 400 years. He was about to bring them on a long journey and he was going to take them out that he could bring them into his promises. He had made a covenant with their forefather Abraham and he said, I'm a covenant keeping God and so I'm going to bring you out. And to me it is so 
vital that you catch the importance of what God says to them at this very critical moment when they're about to launch in to a new endeavor. He said, I want you to, first of all, I want you to understand where you are. I want you to know this point of reference because you're going to have to come back to it in time to come. You're going to have to look back to this moment in time to come. This is your reference point. This is your North Star. This is what you're going to calibrate your life from. And I want you to understand what this point in your life is. It is to be the beginning. Everybody say the beginning. The beginning of months. This literally meant that they were going to have to shift their calendar. They were going to have to reorder their their normal way of operation. Because if I'm not mistaken, the month that we're referring to wasn't it September, October, and 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 they were used to referencing their year from an earlier point in time. But God said, No, 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 no. From this point, it begins here. This is your reference point. This is what I want you doing with your life from this point forward. I want you to take up the old calendar and I want I want you to tear it up because that's not what you're going to use to govern your life by. I'm going to give you a new calendar. It's not going to have anything written on it. It's not going to have any failures on it. It's not going to have any mistakes on it. It's not going to have any uh-ohs on it. You're not going to look at it and say, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. God said, I'm going to give you a beginning point. I'm going to give you an opportunity opportunity to start this thing over again. And God has done the same thing for everybody in this building. Not one time, but many times. And that starting point is at an altar. And it begins when I begin to really recognize That God wants to do something in my life that's significant. I'm not a mistake. I'm not here by accident. I am here by a divine order. God breathed into me a breath of life. And I became a living soul. God said, I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. He wasn't talking about a congregation. He was talking about an individual. I know the plans I have for you. 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 And you have got to Believe that, that you are not a number among a multitude, but I am an individual that God has his eye on and God wants to do wonderful things in my life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. He gave them a a new beginning. Not only that, he gave them a new first. He said, this shall be the beginning. 
And this shall be the first month. Priorities are important in life. And I'm going to tell you that in the hour in which we're living, I'm seeing more and more people live with skewed priorities. What we think is important, what we think is vital, what we think is essential has, has, has developed as we've listened to the culture in which we live instead of listening to the word that speaks to us continually. We allow the culture that we live around. I told you I didn't know where we were going to end. I knew where we were going to begin, but I don't know where this is going to end because that's the work that God has purposed in our lives. It is not going to be an ending work. He said, I am not through with you and I am not finished with you and I am not about to close the chapter on you it may be a different day you may be a different person but I'm telling you I still have a plan I still have a purpose and somebody needs to come back to that point of reference where you can see the God vision that God has for you I was reminded yesterday, our superintendent spoke it, and it has been something that the Lord has talked to me personally about for probably two years, that we are not coming to a harvest. The harvest is not about to come. It's already here. But in particular, when when the disciples came back, if you remember the story that's found in John chapter 4, the dis- Jesus had stopped by a well in Samaria. The disciples had gone into town to get bread and substance because they were famished. And while he was gone, they were gone, a woman comes to the well to draw water and Jesus engages her in a conversation. And that conversation goes deep, much deeper than that well. Even she acknowledged the well is deep but he said hey I'm fixing to unveil a well to you that's going to be deeper than that well out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water and while he's carrying on this conversation the disciples came back and the Bible says that they saw Jesus and this woman they saw a woman where Jesus saw an entire city. That's the difference in your vision versus his vision. And if you're not careful, you get to looking around at life and start judging yourself by somebody around you or beside you or in front of you. I'm not as bad as they are or I'm not as bad as that person. And the Lord said, that's not the vision that I need you to have. I need you to capture my vision. I need you to capture what I'm thinking. I need you to understand what I have purpose for you. We see individuals and he sees opportunity. Can you imagine one woman would turn an entire city upside down when she went and shared with them what she had just discovered? And you and I sit in this congregation and we got our calculator out. We all have one. We, some of us hypocrites keep ours hid. 
I'll call, I'll call myself a hypocrite today. We keep it hid, but we all have our little, little, little thing that we go through. We'll, we'll look at them. Look, look, look at that. What, what about that? I want to tell you something tonight, today. You need to keep your nose out of things that don't belong to you. You need to keep your nose out of things that are not of your interest or they're not of your doing. You don't need to involve yourself in what's going on in somebody else's life. You need to get operating on what God wants to do in your life. And when you do something supernatural is going to happen. Something sovereign is going to take place in your life. And God said, I'm going to give you this place where you can come to, where you can get that that recalibrating of your heart. This is going to be a first place, a first thing. Everybody say first. We all need one. A place where we can reorder, make sure things, it may be just a little off, but a little off. I know I've done this before to you, but you can point Take your finger and point at that, that GL over there with both eyes open and close one eye and it may not be, it, it, it won't be off at all. You close the other eye and you're that far off. That's just what happens. That's all of us, not some of us. All of us have that problem. And if we're not careful, we start looking at life through the wrong lens. And next thing you know, we're not just a mile off. We're a hundred miles. Imagine if you were pointing at that GL from the back of the building right here. You're not more than 60 feet away. And you're, you're a foot off when you look. Let's project that to a hundred miles or to eternity. How far am I going to be off if I keep looking at life through that lens? I'm here to tell somebody today that the Holy Ghost has sent me to tell you this is your day. This is the beginning. This is where it begins. It begins here today. At this place, God said, I want to give you that reference point. I want to give you that place to reorder in your life. I want to give you an opportunity to get your eyes back on the things that your eyes need to be on. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. This is what the Lord spoke to me this morning. Our church needs a new spirit for a new season. I want you to say that with me. We need a new spirit for a new season. A new spirit. A fresh anointing. I said a fresh anointing. Some of us are operating, we're eating off of 10 year old corn. When the corn of the new land is for us right now. Jesus, or, or, or the word God said to, to his people, he said, you'll eat the old corn now, but it's going to, today's the end of eating that old corn. We're going to eat some new corn. Amen. Buckle your seatbelt. 
That gas mask might fall down. You may need oxygen or that oxygen mask. You may need it in a moment. We are eating from old corn. When God has brought us into a new place. And we're saying, well, it's the same thing. No, not by a long shot. And some of us have gotten so accustomed, we think Taco Bell is a luxury restaurant, so to speak. I got news for you folks. If that's your highest level of understanding of what Mexican food is, I need to talk to you after church today. Because there are things called, there, there are restaurants called El Tiempo and Papacitas and Lupe Tortillas that can help you be educated on what really good food is. But the point is, we get so used to eating fast food. We get so used to pulling through our McDonald's. We forget there's a killing steakhouse or we forget there's a saltgrass steakhouse. We get so accustomed to eating some synthetic substance that we think it's the real thing and God said I want to bring you back I want you to know what new corn tastes like I want you to know what new opportunities feel like we need a new attitude for a new altitude A new attitude for a new altitude. The reason that we hadn't gotten any closer or any higher or any nearer what God's purpose for us in our life. Our lives are so stagnant, it's scary. God said, my people need a new attitude to reach a new altitude. You're going to have to believe it can be done. You're going to have to believe God wants you to have that. You're going to have to believe that God has purpose for you to enjoy that. Now, if you choose not to, I'm going to tell you something. There's coming a point where there's going to be a divide. You know, we go along so far together because we're seeing, we're all pointing at the same thing. I thought about this the other day. You know, there's three main entrances into our facility. You can come in through our old foyer. You can come in through our new beautiful entry. Or you can come in from this side entry. Depending on where you come into this building, you're going to have a different point of reference. You're going to have a different idea about what this building looks like. Don't make your opinion based on just what you see when you first come in. Come on in. We're all in the same building, but we're not all seeing the same thing. We can be in the same place, but still not be seeing the same thing. And the Holy Ghost has sent me to tell you, it's time for us to not just be in this place, but be in unity in this place. And let there be a oneness of mind that permeates our spirit so that we join hands with one another and we truly do the work that God has called us to do. Ushers, go get our teachers. Man, you can be seated for just a moment. He said we need a new vision for a new victory. Say it, a new vision 
for a new victory. What you see affects where you're going to go. But more importantly, it affects what you're going to say. I remember reading the story about... There's an illustration about describing an elephant. They blindfolded some people and they brought them in one by one. And they let them touch different parts of that elephant. And they had to describe what they thought an elephant looked like. And so some of them, they brought in and they put their hand on the tail and they felt that long, whippy, wiry tail. And they, and so what they described of that elephant was, was in, in reference to what they were feeling and what they were sensing. Somebody they allowed to touch the ear and they felt that big old wavy, blubbery, uh, 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 soft thing. I guess an elephant's ear soft. I've never gotten close enough to want to touch one, but they feel that elephant. And, and so what they describe of an elephant is like an ear. Somebody touches the side. Somebody touches the leg. And they all describe something different. And they think that's what an elephant is. I want to tell you something. We're not seeing but a part of it. And we need to get our eyes open so we can see what it really is. It's not just about me. It's It's not about you. It's certainly not about my agenda or your agenda. It's about his agenda. It's about what he wants for us. It's about what he has purposed for us. The the fourth thing, he said we need a new mind if you're going to have a new me. Say it with me. I need a new mind to have a new me. A new mind for a new me. And last of all, he said, I need a new position. And so I'm going to need to have a new posture. How I conduct myself. How I interact. All of that. We need a reference point for that to happen. And so God gave us an altar, but he also gave us something else. He gave us the privilege of celebrating communion together. And communion becomes one of the most vital points of reference that connects us back to what this whole thing is really all about. It's not about whether you like the color of the church or not. It's not about whether you like the style of the music or not. It's getting back to that reference point. That there is a place that I can come back to that will allow me to have my eyes touched so that they can see the, the, the things that God wants me to see. That, I, that my heart can be touched in a way in which I can feel and I can be sensitive again. That I can have a heart like his, that I can have a heart for the things that he has. And it is this point of reference, this communion table that we come to, where we remember the blood and we remember the body that was broken for us. And he said, you're going to do this. And I want you to do it often. He didn't say you do it every week or you do it once a service. He just said, as oft as you do this, 
You're doing it for this purpose. In remembrance of me. That when we come to the communion table, that we come to that reference point. That's where God can take his tools and begin to work on the heart and, and get it back in the rhythm it needs to be. He can work on the mind and clear it of all the conflicting stuff that goes on right now. You know, the older you get, they say that your snaps quit snapping. I don't know what that means. But you, your snaps quit firing. And so your, your thought patterns, they, it, your message starts, but it never arrives. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Lord triggers that thought, but it never gets here so I can say it. But when I come to the altar, when I come to this table of communion, it is an opportunity for God to touch that mind so I can begin to think in a way that he would want me to think and it would help lift me and elevate me to the place he wants me to be. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. You're never going to get any higher than your thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you see yourself as a failure, and I just look at my history, quit letting your history dictate what your future is going to be. I have this record. So what? Records can be broken. Literally, physically, spiritually, they can be broken. You, you can record a new record. Some of us are still living off of vinyl when God has taken us into the digital age and God's trying to coax some of us. It's like, my song, my theme song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. God said, come on, I want you to come in to this place I've got prepared for you. I, I want you to, listen church, there have been too many prophecies, there have been too many promises that have been spoken over this church for us to not believe that the future of Greater Life Church is greater than the past, it's greater than anything we've experienced, it's greater than anything we've seen, it's greater than anything we've ever felt. Let's stand together. It's, we're going to come to a moment of, of communion in just a little while, but before we do that, I want to read to you again from the book of First Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. But I want to remind you of what reference point the Lord is bringing us to today. I felt this so strongly last night when we were here in prayer. By the way, Saturday night prayer is still 
an important aspect of our church and I would certainly hope that it would become more of a more of a priority in your life Amen. he said I have handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself so Paul did not get this from Peter or James or John who were there Paul was not there the Lord said I'm going to talk to you directly And this is what he said, the same night in which he was handed over, he took bread and gave thanks. What an irony that he was about to be handed over to the mob. But he handed them a reference point. A reference point. The same night he took bread and gave thanks. Then he distributed it to the disciples and said, Take it and eat your fill. It is my body which is given for you. This do to remember me. Or do this to remember me. This do in remembrance of me. Do this to remember me. Do this to remember me. Say it with me. Do this to remember me. Do this. He did the same with the cup of wine after supper and said, This cup seals the covenant of my blood or with my blood. Drink it. And whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. Again, a reference point. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, whenever you do this, you are retelling the story. You are retelling the story. Oh God, you are proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. For this reason, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in the wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonoring the body and the blood of the Lord. If I do this in the wrong spirit, this is not just a civil act It is not a religious sacrament in that sense. This is a reference point. This is that balancing point in life. This is where we come. When we need to get back in touch with the real, the the true realities of what life is all about. Listen to me carefully. Please listen to me. Your life is not about your career. You wouldn't have had a career if Jesus Christ had not come into the world and did what he did for us. It's not about your retirement or your hopes or your dreams for the future. This is about his whole purpose for the world in the beginning 
all of this part of his plan. And so for this reason, what, whosoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in the wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonoring the body and the blood of the Lord. So let, so let each individual first evaluate his own attitude. And only then eat the bread and drink the cup. Evaluate my own attitude. For continually, listen to this. For continually eating and drinking with the wrong spirit will bring judgment upon yourself by not recognizing the body. This insensitivity is why many of you are weak. I didn't say that, church, and I'm not saying that to condemn anybody in this building. I am simply saying that that's the mirror that we need to be looking in. And that mirror says, this is what's wrong in your life, Mark Hughes. This is what I need to recalibrate in your spirit, Mark Hughes. This is what I need to order in your life, Mark Hughes. This is the mirror. This fruit of the vine and this bread that we're going to partake of in just a moment is symbolic of what happened in that very first Meeting that very first gathering. This, this insensitivity is why many of you are weak, chronically ill, and some even dying. If you have examined, if we have examined ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, it is the Lord's training so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my fellow believers, when you assemble as one to share a meal, show respect for one another and wait for all to be served. Our ushers, our our ministry team, come on, help us right now. All of our ministers, we've asked to help us move among the congregation as quickly as possible. And let's dispense this communion Material, Amen. I want the lights to be turned down if you would. Turn them down for prayer time. Make sure everybody in the building gets, that's good. Praise God. Before we do this, Make sure everybody's got something. I I feel very strongly that we need to do one more thing. Everybody, if, if you don't have the communion, would you just lift your hand so they know how to get to you quickly? Come on. They're they're working. Amen. Pass it. Help each other out. And we've got more back here in the right that need some. 
If you don't have it, raise your hand. We want everybody involved today. We have plenty. The throne of God. They are sweeping over me. And I see a crimson stream of blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it flows. It flows from Calvary. And its waves which reach the throne of God. They are sweeping All right, here's what I feel like God wants us to do. I want every husband in this building, I want you to join with me right now. We are going to be the initiators of prayer in this place. Ladies, I want you to be silent. Young people, I want you to be silent as the men, the husbands, the fathers in this building begin to pray. And this is what I want you to pray for. That God would bring us into the new that He has prepared for us. And that the old will be let go of. Open our hands and let it go. Men, would you join with me in prayer right now? Come on. Everybody, every man in this building, every husband, father, let's pray right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we come today as a family. We come today as individuals. We come, Lord, as a corporate family. We need your touch upon us today. I know that many things in our lives are lacking because we fail to be what you have called us to be. And so we begin here, Lord, with the men of this church. We begin here, Lord, with those that you have called to help lead and be leaders in the community and in their family. And we ask you, God, today to cleanse our heart and help, Lord, reorient our minds and our spirits that we might be able to fulfill your will, that we might be able to do what you have called us into this hour to do. God, I'm asking you today to let your anointing rest upon this place. Your blessings, Lord, rest upon this place. Because there are men in this building who have called out upon you. They have called out for their families. Amen. I want you to pray over your family right now. Lord, we need your covering. We need your help. We need your strength. We need you to touch our families. We need you to minister to our families. We need you to help us to be the kind of person that our family needs, Lord, 
to be the kind of influence and example, God, that others could follow. We thank you for that today, Lord, and we appreciate all that you're doing. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we love you today. And I am so thankful that you have given us a point of reference. That you have given us a place to begin. It begins here. The purpose of this time, Lord, is to bring us more in line with your purpose and your plan. It is to bring us into alignment with your will. Lord, today we feel so inadequate to express what the Spirit is trying to say. But in every heart today, I pray that this moment will be remembered as a day of beginning. I laid some things at the altar of my own life today and I have, I, I, I'm, I'm not ever going back to them. I'm not going to take them back up. God, I'm asking you for your favor and blessings upon this church. I believe that you have a plan and a purpose. And I want to be in alignment with you and your will for this hour. God, I pray that as we begin this remembrance this time of remembrance in our own hearts that we will truly see again the great sacrifice, the death, the dying, the suffering, all of it to take my sins somewhere they could never be brought back from, to nail them to your cross, never be taken away thank you that you have given me the privilege of starting over of beginning again of getting priorities and a mindset and a heart set and a spirit set and a me set and a posture Set that will help usher me into all that you have prepared and planned. And in the same night, he took the bread and he broke it. If you'll peel that top clear layer, you will find a wafer. And he lifted it up before them and he said, Take, eat. This is my body that is broken for you. You can participate in that right now. He 
He then lifted up the cup. And in lifting up the cup, he said, this is the blood of the covenant. This is how I'm going to seal. As oft as you take this cup and you drink of this cup, do it, do it in remembrance of me. You may partake of that cup. Hallelujah. Now I want you to reach over and take your friend or your family or your spouse, whoever it is that's by you, your children, by the hand. And I want us to pray together. Father, this is our moment of reference. This is our hour of reset. If there's anything in us, Lord, that should not be there, let it be left at this place. Let it be left at this place. Let it be left here today. That we would not take with us any more of the hatred or the bitterness or the anger or the malice. That there would be a reset. There would be a reset of our minds and our hearts and our spirits. A reset of our thinking, a reset of our attitude, a reset of our spirit, a reset of our posture. Lord, that we are not just going through the motions, but we are truly operating and acting in a way that will fulfill your divine plan and purpose for our life. We pray, God, for a victory today over sickness and over disease. We pray today for a healing that will flow in this place, Lord, into the hearts and lives of your people. We pray, God, that everything that your blood accomplished, everything that it purchased, everything that it ordered, everything that it set in place will become ours, that we will possess them, that we will experience them, that we will know them. Lord, everything, everything that you have done in your death, your burial, your resurrection, that we would appropriate that power in our own lives today and that the Holy Ghost would have free access to work in our lives and to take us, take us to a higher place, take us to a better place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want my brother to come as quickly as he can. I want him to come and I want him to pray a prayer over this congregation while you're standing in this atmosphere of reverence. I believe God is here right now in a very special way. Somebody say with me again, it begins here. It begins here. This is the time. This is the place. We are the people. Amen. Gracious Father, thank you today for setting the example, for creating an example for us to follow. You didn't set an example to drag our past up, to make us feel worthless or to feel as if we don't belong. 
but you create an example that if I would just follow, it reveals to me that every time I do this, it's to remind me of how valuable I was to you, that you would come to my world, that you would hang on a cross and die, that I could become part of your world. Lord, I pray your blessing into the life of your people today, not of guilt, not of shame, not of condemnation, but a value that they understand how valuable they truly are to you and that you died on the cross, not because I was worthless, but because I was the most valuable thing you ever created. Thank you today for giving us an example that if we will follow it, it just takes us back and reminds us of what you have done for us. It's not about what I can do. It's not about my accomplishment. It's about your grace. It's about your mercy and your kindness because you love us so much, because your word declares that you so loved the world that you gave. Thank you for giving in Jesus' name. And praise right now. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's praise Him. Lift up your voice. Oh, yes, I praise you, Lord. I bless you today, Lord. I thank you for the multitude of your blessings.